my father was this symbol for um, many different people from different backgrounds. You know, he was this non-white symbol of strength and of a warrior and of fighting against oppression. And because of that, I think he spoke to many different um, cultural groups from different backgrounds. It's fair to say that his legacy has grown over the decades, and part of that is because of your efforts. You -hmm. produced The Legend of Bruce Lee based on his life and the documentary How Bruce Lee Changed the World. Is there a guiding principle as you work to preserve his legacy either in media productions or through the Bruce Lee Foundation? I always try to stay within the energetic signature of my father's legacy. Uh, It's hard for me to 100% qualify what that is. It's something that I feel more than I, you know, have written out (laughs) with Mm -hmm. clarity. But it is based on his own work and his own words. You know, my father was a philosopher of of quite depth, a, a lot of depth. Many people don't know that about him. He had very strong practices, and he really tried to um, live what he believed in and not just talk about it. And I think that that is why he was able to create so much energy in the world and share it out so dynamically, and also why he himself is such a unique figure. You know, he believed in the um, practice of cultivating the self and cultivating it in an ever-evolving and growing and positive way and sharing that with the world. And I think that um, I really turned to his own words and his own practices whenever I need to figure out what to do. So based on what you feel, can you can you describe that feeling? Sure. Um, you know, my father believed in, he believed in quality. He believed in wholeness. He believed in wisdom and love and will, willpower. He believed that um, we were all one human family on this earth. He believed in integrity. And so I really try to balance all of those things, uh, which is difficult to balance, especially when there's business interests involved. But I really try not to let business rule because this is my family and this is a legacy, and what I do has to try to stay true to all of those qualities. Do you have an explanation for why he connected to audiences so well? Yes, I, I do think that the reason he connected to audiences so well is because of that committed path of the warrior that he walked, but a warrior that wasn't just about fighting or combat but a warrior that was about, um, you know, trying to 
evolve as a human being and to work within the ecosystem of his life. You know, he was a person who was in relationship with many people and he really cultivated his energy, his dynamism, his charisma. You know, if you look at the movies that he made at this point now in the 21st century where we find ourselves, the movies have aged some, you know, but he and his performance have not. That energy that was present in him then, then is still just as present, just as real, just as motivating and something that you can really feel that comes off of him in a very unique way that really that really speaks to what I like to say is the idea of possibility and potential, human potential, and standing in one's power, using one's body, using one's voice, right? And in particular, in the stories that he chose to tell with it, I mean, you could see that he had prowess and skill, not just in his physicality, but in his mentality and emotionality, in his spirituality, if that, if you want to use that term, right? And by spirituality, I just mean his energetics and that he was fighting for recognition as a human being and and standing for himself and his culture. And I think that that strikes a chord with many, many people. What you say definitely reflects uh, with his, you know, most well-known movie, Into the Dragon. Um, I think out of all of them, that one definitely, you know, exposes his uh, wisdom in terms of him. For like sure. How, yeah, when he was having that conversation with the monk about, you know, who's the ultimate opponent, and that, that's like not having any opponent, you know. Exactly. Which, yeah. And. I mean, at the end of the day, part of his philosophy was that your greatest opponent is yourself. Yes, yes. And that the, a true warrior, a true kung fu man, is aiming his blows at himself to break down the walls of resistance, the barriers, to heal the wounds, to expose, um, you know, what needs attention, right? Yeah. To the to the better expression of themselves as a grounded and whole human being. Yeah. So speaking of Warrior, you have a TV series that you're producing. Yes. And that idea came from your father? Like, where's production now on that? Yeah, so right now we're in the midst of season three, which is on Max, formerly HBO Max. Um, And, you know, this series was... (laughs) It has been on a long road um, as well. It was created by my father back in the 60s as a vehicle for himself because back then when he was trying to make his way in Hollywood, he refused to play any parts that he thought were demeaning or stereotyping for him. And that meant that there weren't a lot of parts. So he had to create his own parts um, or tried to. But of course, Hollywood at the time even though he created this TV series, said uh, that they they couldn't make it and that he couldn't star in an American TV show, that he would not be accepted because he was not white and because he had an accent, and um, which, of course, he didn't believe or buy. But um, the 
consequently, the idea sat in a box for, you know, 50 years before um, it was able to be brought to the screen by myself and Justin Lin, my producing partner, and then Jonathan Tropper, who um, helped write it and create it, create the show. And I have to say, the thing about it is that it's a, it was a great idea that he created. And when Justin came to me to talk to me about, about bringing it to fruition, he said, we should really only do this if we do it right and we do it well and we do it in the vision of your father and his legacy. And that was really music to my ears because that is what I'm always looking to do. And, and I've turned down many, many projects that where people just want the Bruce Lee imprint and they don't actually want the energetics of Bruce Lee or me to be involved. And so, um, and so we created this show and originally seasons one and two were on Cinemax. And then because of corporate mergers, all the Cinemax programming was canceled and our show was canceled, even though it was, an amazing show with an amazing cast of complex, rich, wonderful characters and character dynamics. It takes place in 19th century San Francisco Chinatown, leading up to the Chinese Exclusion Act and during the time of the Tong Wars. So it's historically an American story as well about the the Chinese immigration laws at the, of the time and, you know, about um, people trying to find their way and and live their lives fully um, in America of the 19th century, which of course was very challenging. And um, and um, you know it was just by sheer will and conversation and fan interaction and love and petitions and conversations and. Um, articles written that we were able to get the show picked back up again. And so we got the opportunity to come back with season three, which is airing now. So with your father's actions and choices that he made, it paved the way for improving representation of Asian people in film and other popular media. Um, What do you think has the trend been since then? You know, my father said, and we have him in an interview saying back in 1971, I want to say, when the interviewer was asking him about um, these topics, and he said, I've, I've already made up my mind that something of the true Oriental needs to be shown in the West, you know, in film and TV. Mm-hmm. And he said, it's always with the, you know, the white actors in yellow face and the slanted eyes and the chop chop and all this sort of thing. He's like, that's not my culture. And so he was very um, committed to that showing that authentic representation and um, which he did. And I think that there was a huge wave that came out of it that opened up some possibility, but because he had died, by the time that End of the Dragon came out, I think it was easier for Hollywood to say that this was an anomaly. And I think that it, it has taken many decades for us to get to a place where we are now, which is that there seems to be 
a much more open possibility of creating Asian-led content using, you know, Asian talent and Asian storytelling and better, more whole characters. I mean, there have been things over the years. There's been the Joy Luck Club. There's been some great artists here and there, but we're now in a in a place where there's much more happening. And it's been a concerted effort on the part of the talent and the creators in Hollywood to come together to try to push these stories and this creativity forward. You had brought up philosophy earlier, and I know you had studied philosophy at the uh, University of Washington. So, mm-hmm. and in your book, what do you want people to come away with? that book and his philosophy. Yeah, you know, I read the the book Be Water My Friend for a couple reasons. I wanted people to know my father as a philosopher because he was. He had a, a, a handful of great quotes, which I think people who are interested in Bruce Lee know about, but they don't really know the real depth and breadth of his study and his personal practice. And I wanted people to know him in that way. It's what I've always wanted because it's the part of his legacy that I think speaks to who he really was as a human being. And it also really speaks to me in terms of my own practice of self-actualization and self-discovery and growth. And so um, this book, I wanted to paint that side of him, but I also see it as my gift to you know, the reader, because it, I really want people to know it's it's not a, you don't need to be a Bruce Lee fan or a martial artist to read this book. And I think that sometimes in the marketing, they're like, oh, if you're a Bruce Lee fan, this is the book for you. But honestly, it is a book for you if you're a human being, because it focuses on that philosophy, that water philosophy and how to apply it to life, how my father applied it, how I've applied it, and how you can apply it. And so the book is really part biography, part memoir, and part self-help book, if you will. But it's written in a way to be very, very accessible and easy to read and to give you a little bit more insight into something that we all suffer from, which is the human condition. Yeah, well, that's one of his probably, like, most famous quotes is, like, talking about how you should be like water. And mm-hmm. I think one of the other ones that kind of gets overlooked is his concept of the way of no way. Could you elaborate mm-hmm. on that a little bit? Sure. My father's core tenet was using no way as way, having no limitation as limitation. And the idea behind it is that, and really think about it, that phrase describes the quality of water, right? Because water finds a way. It will flow wherever it has life enough to flow, right? So um, it can carve through a mountain. It can change a shoreline. It can nourish the land. It can do all sorts of things, right? So the idea being that There's never only one way to do anything, to go about life. And that if you find yourself, like my father did, for instance, in Hollywood, banging his head against the wall, trying to change this huge system that would not recognize him, that 
there was another way, and that other way for him was to go to Hong Kong and make the impact there that would get Hollywood's attention. So it's really a call to the individual to consider to open their minds, consider a new path if the path that you're on is not working. And the having no limitation is limitation is just, you know, you're limited by your own mind. Like whatever you feel you can't do is, is a reality for you. And so how can you shift your perception and look at things in a new light and find a new way? Is there anything else I didn't ask you like to convey to people as they remember Bruce Lee this week? Well, first of all, you know, this Thursday, July 20th, is the 50th anniversary of his legacy. That's, that's how we like to commemorate it and celebrate it. You know, it's kind of astounding that it's been 50 years, especially for me, because it means I'm over 50, um, <laughs> which doesn't seem possible. But um, I, his legacy is timeless to me because the things that he spoke to that he worked toward were timeless in their nature. And I think that his energy and his legacy is also timeless. So I really encourage people to find out more about him because there's more to him than what you see on the surface. There's more to him than that action film star from the 70s, that martial artist guy. You know, he was a really unique and moving and wise soul. And I really encourage people to continue to interact with his legacy and remember him and celebrate him mostly because my father was about celebration. He was a joyous soul. Everything that he did, he did from a place of passion and love and joy and that is something that we want, the energy that we want to continue to live into. I just want to point out, he, he was definitely an innovator in terms of like, not just martial arts, but like health, nutrition, you know, before like supplements totally. were a thing. He did that on his own. And even like the beginning of Enter yeah. the Dragon, you know, they had that match. It was, that set like the mm -hmm. precedent for like mixed martial arts today. What other influence have you seen that he has that's not quite so obvious, you know, like you got with, you know, like hip hop music, right? You know, he's got a profound influence there. Yeah, I was just going to say is that his profound influence on hip hop music and culture and dance. Um, he has obviously an influence in martial arts with MMA being such a huge sport now. He has an influence on thought. You know, I mean, he was catching that wave of of thought in the 60s and 70s, reading Krishnamurti and Alan Watts and Taoism and combining, um, you know, different ideas and, and expressing them and making them his own. As you say, he had a huge influence on fitness and nutrition. He also, you know, trying different techniques um, isometric training, supplements, electric stim, like all different things. He was an ex experimenter of his own experience. And he also was pretty single-handedly responsible for the, for the 
huge boom and in interest in martial arts in the West and around the world. Uh, I think he hugely influenced the type of action you see in action movies. Now everybody that does action is a martial artist. You know, Jason Bourne is a martial artist, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, John Wick is a martial artist, right? Yeah. He changed the way that fighting, uh, film fighting in particular, was um, created and viewed. I think he um, he helped influence the stunt industry in this country. I think that, you know, there's a statue that was erected of him in Bosnia where he stands as a symbol for ethnic harmony and people coming together, which is beautiful, you know, with his under the sky, under the heavens, we're all one family quote. He's really seen as a positive influence and someone who continues to motivate and inspire and bring people together. He bridges, you know, countries and cultures. He was just so ahead of his time, just so ahead of his time. And because of that, he continues to influence us in this time. Well, Shannon, I appreciate you taking the time to have this interview with us. I really appreciate it. Um, your father's, Thank you. Well, yeah, you're welcome. Your father's legacy is definitely felt in the Indian country, and um, yeah, we, we are very honored to have you. I'm so. so honored to know that he is loved and admired in Indian country, and, and I'm just so humbled and appreciative and grateful.